Good morning. Let me extend my welcome to you as well. If you're a visitor, we're glad that you are here. It's good to be together this morning. Uh, I'm Dave Dunderdale, one of the other pastors here at Blackcomb. And uh, uh, those of you who are online, we're glad that you're with us as well. Uh, we are continuing in our series on conversations with Jesus. And we find ourselves this morning in Luke chapter 19. Perhaps a familiar conversation for us as Jesus uh, talks with Zacchaeus, the tax collector. You can find that in the Bible in your pews on page 1052. I think that's correct. Uh, Luke chapter 19, we'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Listen again to God's word to us. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This, too, is worth the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we continue in this season of transition at Blacknell, I thought it might be good if we enjoyed something familiar, something that remind us of where we have been, of how God has blessed us in the past. And it seems like it's been a while, so it seems like it might be time for us to hear a quote from C.S. Lewis. <laughs> it is one of my favorites. It's one that I think we quote semi-regularly. It comes from his uh, Narnia Chronicles and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When Lucy and Susan are first exploring Narnia and they have met Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and they're first hearing about Aslan, the Christ figure in the story, they're told that Aslan is about to return to set all things right. And they have an important part to play in these setting things right. And they have this famous conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, where Lucy asks this about Aslan. He says, is, is he a man? Aslan a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. In our sermon series 
on Conversations with Jesus, we are asking a couple questions. What do we learn about Jesus? And then how do we make him known? What we learn in this conversation with Jesus this morning is that he is not safe. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I want us to see this conversation with Zacchaeus as a conversation in three scenes. There's no dialogue in the first scene. The first scene is Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus. He wants to see who Jesus is, and, and so he goes to where Jesus is, but he couldn't see him because he's too short. As I learned when I was a child, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Imagine this first scene. Imagine that you are one of the crowd. Imagine that you are one of the common folk, right? Working hard for a living just to make ends meet. You're excited that Jesus has come and you are wanting to see this man that some say might be our Messiah, our deliverer. And as you're trying to see Jesus and hear him, who should come up behind you trying to squeeze past you to get a look? But, but Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the one who demanded you to pay taxes you can't afford Zacchaeus in his fine clothes and rings on his fingers and well-oiled hair and fancy shoes. You couldn't eat for a month in order to pay the taxes that he forced you to pay. He wants to squeeze by you to see Jesus, to get a closer look at Jesus. Now, the, the sport of basketball had not been invented in the first century, but I think the crowd would know all about boxing out, right? If I had been in that crowd, I would have done my best box out, elbows out, and I would have made sure whichever way Zacchaeus went, he was not going to get past me to get to Jesus, right? Because this is our Jesus. This is not the Jesus for Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't come for people like Zacchaeus. Jesus came for people like us, right? People who were being oppressed, people who were suffering because we were God's people. Jesus came to bring us hope and deliver us from the Romans. He didn't come for collaborators with the Romans. He didn't come for people who became wealthy by making us pay taxes to support this pagan, blasphemous empire. Zacchaeus? You can get lost, Zacchaeus. This Jesus is not for you. He belongs to us, not to people like you. This is the first scene. This is a picture of a reality that I think is still true. There are still today many people who cannot see Jesus, even if they would like to, because of the people around Jesus. I don't think any of us would ever say out loud that we wouldn't want someone to see Jesus. We wouldn't consciously box them out from coming to see Jesus. But do our actions effectively do so? Do our actions say that Jesus doesn't belong to people like you? Do we unintentionally box out? people with disabilities, people who don't look like us, people who don't talk like us? Do we unintentionally box out single people? Do we unintentionally communicate that there are certain kinds of sinners that Jesus is not for? Do we unintentionally communicate that Jesus came for sinners like us, but not for sinners like you? And that leads us then to our second scene. This second scene I think is comical. Zacchaeus, wealthy Zacchaeus, is up in a tree. Now, to those of us who are over, say, the age of 30, when was the last time you climbed a tree? Right? 
particularly wealthy, I'm imagining Zacchaeus might have been heavier than most because of the lifestyle he lived, climbing a tree, seeing this tax collector in his fancy clothes or climb up a tree would have been a comical thing, right? Sweating, right, from the exertion. He climbed the tree because he was too short to see Jesus, so he elevated himself above the crowd. He elevated himself above Jesus. This is, is this not what the wealthy are prone to do, to, to go to lengths, to separate themselves from others? And in this second scene, we are reminded that Jesus is not safe. He is not a tame lion. Now, Jesus could easily have walked on by, or he could have ignored Zacchaeus, Perhaps even easier would have been to make fun of Zacchaeus. The crowd would have loved that. But Jesus is not safe. He stops and calls out Zacchaeus by name. We don't know how he knew his name, but he calls him out by name. And in the second scene, Jesus teaches us two things about himself. Two things we come to know about Jesus from this conversation with Zacchaeus in the tree. The first is that Jesus does not belong to anyone. We belong to him. We do not possess Jesus. We cannot control him. We cannot draw our own boundaries around him and keep him fenced in. The crowd had no time or space for Zacchaeus. They thought Jesus belonged to them, not to Zacchaeus, but Jesus refuses to be defined by us. Then the second thing we learn about Jesus has been described by some as the hospitality of Jesus. Jesus does not allow Zacchaeus to remain above the crowd. He says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. The hospitality of Jesus is his practice of breaking down the barriers between himself and and other people by asking them to meet his need. He places himself in the position of vulnerability and of needing their help. He says, Zacchaeus, I need some place to stay. I need something to eat. I'm coming to your house. Can you feed me? He is asking Zacchaeus to meet his need. We see this in John chapter 4 with Jesus with the woman at the well, right? Where he asks her if she can give him a drink. Jesus needs a drink. He has no way of getting water. He confesses his need and asks her to help him. And in that opens the door for a conversation. We see this with Peter when Jesus is preaching on the, the, sh- the shoreline and, and needs, asks Peter if he can borrow his boat so that he can speak to the crowds better. And out of that comes an invitation to discipleship. It is the theme of Jesus' incarnation. Jesus emptying himself, taking on human flesh in all of its vulnerability and weakness so that in his weakness we are not frightened of him but can come to trust him. It is the hospitality of of Jesus. This speaks to us directly, I think, in our attempts to make Jesus known to those around us. We, too, need to embrace our own weakness and use it as an opportunity to make Jesus known. I saw this clearly in my dad's life. My dad died of cancer eight years ago. The last several months of his life, he was in a rehab center. My dad was pastor, 6'3", was the Protestant bishop of Pittsburgh. Uh, Everyone knew him. He was an important man in Pittsburgh, right? But in his last few months in the rehab center, he, I think, did more effective evangelism than he had done any other time in his life. 
I think it was because he was in weakness. He would show up at physical therapy asking the therapist to help him to, to stand, to walk, to do the things that his body was failing to do. And in that weakness, conversations came up. They were not afraid to ask him about God, to ask their questions they had of God. They would never have gone to church and asked a pastor, but this weak old man, can I ask you a question? It's the hospitality of Jesus. And I wonder, can we, can we ask our neighbors for help? Can we ask them to, to teach us in the areas where we are ignorant? Instead of striving for independence and self-sufficiency, can we use our vulnerability and our need as opportunities to enter into relationships, make connections, and to make Jesus known? And so Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house, which leads us then to our third scene. Zacchaeus is thrilled to host Jesus and his disciples for dinner. We can imagine that it was quite a dinner party. But the crowd is muttering, ah, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Ah, that Jesus, I don't know. And I think it is important for us to hear this story in conversation with the story we looked at a few weeks ago of Jesus and the rich young ruler. Remember when we listened to that story, we wondered about our own idolatry of wealth, and we wondered if one could follow Jesus and be wealthy? But notice in this story, Jesus does not stop under the tree and command Zacchaeus to sell all he has and follow him. No, he commands Zacchaeus to come down and feed him and provide for him and his disciples. He eats dinner with him. They share table fellowship together. Jesus is his guest, his friend. And Jesus is a friend. A friend of the rich, even a rich oppressor, the chief tax collector in Jericho. Jesus is not just a friend to the poor, not just for the social outcasts, but for wealthy outcasts too. He is not tame. He does not belong to us. He doesn't belong to the poor nor to the wealthy. He isn't safe. Did Zacchaeus know what he was doing when he accepted Jesus' invitation to welcome him into his own home? Did he know the impact that Jesus would have on his life? Jesus isn't safe. When we agree to sit at table and eat with Jesus, we don't know what he will do. And that simple act of sharing a meal with Jesus sparked in Zacchaeus a radical, a radical response and a radical repentance. Jesus did not demand it of him. It was not a condition of Jesus sharing the meal with him. Jesus' gracious invitation to Zacchaeus as a guest came first. And Zacchaeus responded, and repentance. Who knows what will happen if we invite our neighbors into table fellowship with us and with Jesus? What do we learn about Jesus in this third scene? He tells us that he came to seek and to save the lost. He tells us that salvation comes to Zacchaeus and his household, and we learn that he is not safe, but he is good. Jesus will change our lives but he is good. He will change our lives, and it is salvation. He comes to save us, all who are lost. This is our last point this morning. Jesus wants to bring us salvation. He wants to make us healthy and whole. The Greek word means both things, both salvation and health. Jesus 
heals Zacchaeus in our story. He saves him. And this salvation is not safe either. It's not neatly confined to saving Zacchaeus from the judgment of hell. It's not confined to just entering into relationship with Jesus. It is that, but not only that. Because salvation is entering into relationship with Jesus is much more than that because Jesus is not safe. He will ask us about our money. He will ask us about our sexual practices. He will invite himself into every area of our lives. Notice in our story all the various manifestations of salvation for Zacchaeus. It was personal. He got to know Jesus and share a meal with him. It was domestic in that Jesus says salvation came to his whole household. Whatever family he had, servants he had, all experienced salvation through this encounter with Jesus. It didn't just impact Zacchaeus, it impacted the whole household. It was social. Jesus said, this man too is a child of Abraham. And when Jesus says this, he is restoring Zacchaeus to the community of God's people. He's saying to the whole community, accept this man as your brother. This day, Zacchaeus was restored into God's community. And it was economic. Salvation includes economic faithfulness. The poor experienced the blessings of Zacchaeus' salvation as he gave half of his goods away to the poor. Those who had been defrauded were repaid four times what had been fraudulently taken from them. The blessing, the salvation was economic as well. Our salvation includes our standing up with Zacchaeus and declaring to Jesus, here and now, Lord, I'll be faithful in sharing whatever wealth you have entrusted to me. Beloved, beloved, at this table, will Jesus once again say, salvation has come to this house because we are sons and daughters of Abraham? Salvation came to Zacchaeus not to reward him for doing works of repentance, but salvation came to fulfill Zacchaeus' destiny to recognize and rejoice in Jesus as the Messiah. That is our destiny too. In a few moments, I'll invite you to come to this table. All who humbly put their trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord are invited to come to this table. Is it safe for you to come? As Zacchaeus would testify, and one day we'll hear him testify again, of course not. But it's good. Because he's good. He is the king. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are excited that you might invite us to, your, to come share this meal with you, to come to this table, because we, like Zacchaeus, realize that we are not whole, we are not healthy, we too need salvation. So Lord, we, with some fear and trepidation, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Fear and trepidation because we know that you are not safe, and we are afraid. But you have proven to, your, to us that you are good. Help us to trust you, to follow you. And may we have hearts like Zacchaeus is eager to jump up and say, Lord, 
I will follow you. I will do that which brings honor to your name. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.